0: How's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music, sometimes with a friend. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. As Carl alluded to, it's another installment of Favorites with Friends. Uh, Mr. Friend, would you like to introduce yourself? We're here with the wonderful Joe. Joe P. How's it going, Joe? (laughs) Hey yeah, really good.
1: It's um, it's really late at night here, so I am <laughs> um, doing my best. But
0: yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. I I still feel awful. Uh, for the record, I did not, <laughs> I I did not get a say into when we recorded this. Well, the problem is <laughs> um, that Joe is just too kind and agreeable,
1: <laughs> too much of a pushover.
0: And we're also really bad at math, apparently. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, this is a great plan. Hopefully, Joe, this this Kirby track will hopefully wake you up a little bit. Hopefully, yeah. It's um.
1: In case it wasn't clear, I am in Sydney, Australia, which is a very, very different time zone <laughs> to you guys.
2: Yeah, and Joe has been a wonderful friend of the show for many years, uh, supporter,
0: uh, listener, and friend. And so this is this is kind of a long time coming.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, so I just saw this interesting article, and I thought this yesterday. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna ask Joe this tomorrow. I saw <laughs> this article that said in Australia there are certain conditions that are making it so that this really deadly kind of spider might start, like, populating in more uh, numbers. Did you see a story like that? And do you know anything about this spider? I've always been, you know, an arachnophobic, like, big time. Hmm. So I saw that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. That I All the devastation with the fire seemed terrible, but, like, to really get to my... Shaking with fear would be <laughs> the idea that there could be some deadly spider walking around
1: yeah I mean the, the spot the the uh, the fire stuff has been truly terrible but I mean just compounding that with having to um, take a big stick while you walk to work to to um, fend off all the spiders has been just oh wow the real oh, you know, the, the last straw it's it's yeah it's pretty terrible you do have to defend yourself pretty strongly but we make an effort. Wow You know we've all grown up with but that sort of environment Seriously
0: you have to fight off spiders on your way <laughs> to work Yeah yeah
1: you know crocodiles that sort of thing. carl
0: we definitely should have <laughs> carl we should have recorded this at a different time because he needs to be alert he needs to be alert we don't want well, him to well, be finally all of and then the a spider attack it's
2: interesting because all the stereotypes of australia are now actually catching up to reality it, it's a crazy time apparently mm. <laughs> well guys you just heard pop star from kirby 64 composed by juni shikawa and hirokazu ando that was the first track that joe brought in today so this is an episode of favorites with friends and into any of our new listeners what what we do in these episodes is we have a friend of the show come on and play some of their favorite video game music, and they can approach their playlist however they want. And so all of the music we're playing today was actually handpicked by Joe, and all of it has a special meaning to him. And so let's get into maybe, Joe, how you approach this playlist today, and we can just start with Kirby64, why you started uh, today with Popstar. Uh, yeah, so in terms of uh,
1: how I put the playlist together, I tried to gather a playlist that included... Um, a number of tracks or games that you guys hadn't featured before. Okay. Um, I think most of my gaming experience is sort of with the classics, which you guys have covered a lot in the past. So it's right. inevitable that I did have some um, some tracks from those classic games. But mm-hmm. I did try to mix it up a bit. Um, Kirby Kirby sixty four is something that you have featured a lot in the past, but I just couldn't go past. Um, The pop star level theme is just so perfect in that it captures the sort of sense of energy and optimism and and hope that I pretty much associate with childhood and video games and what I love, like, the genre
2: for. And that is actually a score that we're considering doing a spotlight on because we've heard a couple of other people that are really clamoring for a Kirby 64 Mm. spotlight episode. It's
0: solid. Well, and we'll never say no to more Kirby
1: music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the, the body of work is for Kirby games is just it's immaculate. Yeah, that's they've really a got perfect, perfect down to art form.
0: Yeah, it's a perfect word to describe it because it's um it's also so consistent. Um that that style, that sense of energy and um spirit zeitgeist whatever it's just is really palpable from like the first entry to the modern entry and they they made probably the smartest transition between eras like you almost don't feel it going from 8 to 16 bit and then in this case you don't feel it going from 16 bit to the sort of nintendo 64 and beyond it's like They've somehow, it's been so smooth and this lossless feeling of genre and style. It's very strange. If you did nothing but play Kirby games, you know, for the last three decades, you'd almost feel like nothing in the world has changed. That'd be a great thing to do in a bunker.
2: Like if if there's some nuclear fallout. Yeah. So so let's move on to the next track on Joe's playlist. The next thing he brought in was a track from Mischief Makers, which I don't think we've ever covered on the podcast. This is a track called Hurry. Uh, So Joe, why did you bring in this track?
1: Just a correction, you actually have featured a track from Mischief Makers in the past, and I know this because it was my submission for a, oh. um, a <laughs> listener show and tell.
2: That's amazing. So,
1: yeah, yeah Carl, I was going to say, uh,
0: don't you remember? No, I, I didn't remember either. <laughs> I
2: don't remember ever, Duh. like, going through and listening. So, yeah. Oh, man, that is really crazy. So, so this is a different track you brought in today. Yes. So, yeah. But it's still, again, like Kirby, it's from that
1: Nintendo 64 era, which is very, like, close to my heart. Um, I... I yeah, I remember playing this game and it was just nothing like I'd ever heard before. The entire score is composed in this sort of strange um, harmonic and instrumental palette. That's
2: kind of, it's just totally alien. Well, that's because it's Hanzawa. <laughs> Nor- yeah. Norio Hanzawa, who some of you might know his work from Gunstar Heroes, among other very weird and cool scores. So, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, so let- let's play this track, Hurry, from Mischief Makers. And Joe wanted us to play a little bit more of this so that we can hear more of the piece. So let's do that. Hurry from Mischief Makers. You guys are listening to Hurry from Mischief Makers, composed by Norio Hanzawa. This is for the N64. This is a cool piece of music. I'm glad you brought this in. Uh, Now that I'm hearing this, I do have a memory of listening to that other track you brought in on a listener show and tell. Hanzawa's style is pretty recognizable. There's not really another composer like him. Hmm. What would you? What, what is it that's specific about his style? I feel like uh, a lot of harmonic e- exploration and in, in moving around yeah. very freely. It doesn't seem like he's tied down to any specific scale or key. He just kind of. It seems like his brain is firing, you know, a mile a minute. How would you? How would you describe it, Will?
0: Well, th- it's sort of like um, every chord in every situation is sort of its own island, and they yeah. relate to each other. So I don't. It's not just completely free form, no rules. But yes, there right, is not a lot a of like modal mixing and and lots of things. And it's not even that dissonant. Um, to me, what it made me think of was like film music from the '80s or '90s. Like it reminded yeah. me actually a lot of like Bill Conti Um, Mm -hmm. because it it has this sort of uh, there's like this American pantonal thing mixed with all of the moving lines which have that like contrapuntal sound but bu- 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 also bu- this hopeful, hopeful du- 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 triumphant du- du- quality as yeah, well. yeah yeah so it mm-hmm. feels like something that would be good in like a montage of a film you know it has that sort of quality where almost the fundamental triad in every situation is like a suspended chord or having some non-resolved third which is i think what gives it that ambiguous um emotional quality but it's i really enjoyed this one i thought it was a really cool track
2: yeah. And mm. I know that, uh, Hanzo has worked on a lot of treasure games, games developed by treasure, uh, even that guardian heroes for the Saturn, uh, which is kind of an infamous score for us. And I think the gunstar heroes is probably, let me see if that was treasure as well. Uh, yeah, that was treasure as well. So he's worked for that, for that company for a while. So is this a pretty fun game? Um, yeah, it's really fun. Um,
1: it's it's a platformer about a uh, a robo girl transfer like, traversing these strange alien worlds where everything is made up of these like blocks with faces but oh, at the same huh. time these worlds are like very like beautiful and hopeful and I think that's part of what makes the track a success is that it captures mm-hmm. that sort of sense of the like the foreign oh. as well as the like the hope
0: and the the beauty. That's really cool. It I, absolutely I it. captures that. That is an example of I love getting that context because mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. sort of illuminate some of the decisions to me and I think it adds a level of depth to the music that we an were appreciation to. probably That's
2: great. yeah Okay, next we're going to move to a score that I am a really big fan of, so I was happy to see this. You know, it's a pretty eclectic uh, playlist you brought in today. Some classics that I've loved for a long time and definitely some stuff I've never heard before. I think this is a track that I probably have heard before because I've explored the score. Uh, A really big fan of this. This is Pokemon Trading Card Game, and this piece of music was composed by Ichiro Shimakura, and this is Duel. So tell us a little bit about- Back in my day when people would play Pokemon (laughs) cards, there
0: was no fancy
2: music to it or anything so tell us a little bit about uh your experience with this game and why you
1: brought in duel um so my experience with pokemon trading card game is uh, like my memories of it are in the school playground playing with my friends and i think that this track does a really good job of evoking that specific memory Mm. Um, i think that like the the mixolydian um like groove Mm -hmm. basically is, is is what captures that in that like it's happy, but it's also laid back. Yeah. yeah. If you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and that's why this track resonates with me. But then there's. I think we're doing a longer play of this one, hopefully. Um, yeah. Which means that we'll get to play the best part of it, which is about 90 seconds in. It goes to this, like, really uh melancholy sweet part with like an ascending one two three four like baseline i can't wait to check it out gets me every time it's just it's this perfect example of what you guys have spoken about before it's like that hopeful melancholia yeah um that yeah and shimakura is such
2: a great composer let's take a listen to duel from pokemon tcg love this section. I'm glad that we had this extended play. This is Duel from Pokemon Trading Card Game composed by the wonderful Ichiro Shimakura. And I really do li- like that progression that you called out, kind of that ascending, very hopeful progression. And it is interesting that especially for—this uh, uh, is a Game Boy Color game, Joe? Yes. Especially for Game Boy Color music, to have a form that is this long is definitely not the
0: norm. And so I really mm. appreciate that. Uh, what a what a cool piece of music. Wow. There's lots of things yeah. to enjoy about this one. Uh, yeah. Harmonically, uh, it does use that sort of mixolydian oscillating between those two chords over that pedal bass, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. is something that uh, happens somewhat frequently in the Pokemon games and in uh, lots of lots of game series but it's right at home in that era of the Game Boy like uh, to me it just feels so cemented as classic in my brain even though I don't think I've ever heard this particular track before uh, that harmonic progression in the later section was really pretty and I was also just admiring the implementation there when the melody mm. and harmony sort of leaps up to that high note mm-hmm. the kind of vibrato that gets triggered almost instantly is really pretty and has lyrical cool... yeah it, there's like you can tell this is a, a track that was sort of combed over and every little detail was was made just just right. Um, and I, I really appreciate that in a piece of music.
2: Without going too far into my feelings of the whole series, all I'll say is that I really wish that Shimakura was able to work more in the other entries in, in this series because I'm
0: <laughs> such a fan of Shimakura's well, you music. You know, another thing I love, at the very beginning of this track... Um, there's that bruh, 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 kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's that ch- 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 that weird, like, percussion y sound that's like some weird rhythmic down. percussion stuff. At but the it actually happens when the loop returns. So it yeah. isn't just some sort of sound effect, it's actually part of the groove of the track. And I actually really very like cool. how it sets up um, that sort of mixolydian groove, as you called it, Joe. It has mm-hmm. the, an interesting, sort of, like, I don't know, carefree energy to
1: it. I think from memory, that's meant to simulate the, um, the shuffling and the, the dealing of the deck
2: of cards.
0: Sure. Ah, oh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah I do love that this is a dual
2: piece of music, but clearly this is a duel in a card game not in like a regular
0: Pokemon yeah. game because it's
1: a lot more laid back. It's a back. friendly it's very like, friendly duel. It's like yeah. the
0: slow parts of Casino Royale not the you know punchy shooty parts. Absolutely It's Casino
1: Royale for kids.
0: Yep <laughs> I can't imagine this music in Casino Royale Well Joe
2: I think it's pretty hilarious that we're moving from the Pokemon series to the Digimon series um, but hey that's wow. what you brought in next. That's uh, like <laughs> going from Star Wars to Star Controversial Trek. A track from Digimon World which I I will guarantee you, Joe, that we've never played anything from. Uh, this is yes. File City Day, and it looks like it was. I found out that it was composed by Koji Yamada. Never heard of him before. No. Tell us a little bit about uh, why you brought in a track from Digimon World. So I wanted to bring in an example of
1: um, JRPG town music. Mm-hmm. Um, town music is it's like a genre unto itself. Like it's it really designed is. to be relaxing and to feel like home. And I feel and for me this perfectly captures that sort of sense um in Digimon world you spend a lot of time in the town area in this game and part of the objective of the game is to recruit um Digimon from around the island to come there so it it, like Mm -hmm. grows over the time and you get this sense that you're um, actively contributing to the prosperity and the serenity of File City so it's very relaxing and satisfying and Mm. yeah it really captures that
2: let's take a listen to that File City day from Digimon world You guys are listening to File City Day from Digimon World, which came out for the PS1. This is composed by Koji Yamada. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad you brought this in because clearly a game we probably never would have thought to include and focus on. And it does represent something as a whole. PS1 music, definitely a blind spot for our podcast. So uh, was the PS1 uh, a console that uh, you played a lot growing up? No, actually, now that you mention it, I
3: don't
1: think
2: I had a PS One.
1: Interesting. I can't. So I must have played this on the PS Two, but I can't remember how I got my hands on it. But I think that I think that's an interesting point. That like when you're a kid, there's a sort of democracy to the games that you play, in that you don't know what's good, right? You just sort of get what get what catches your eye and like mm-hmm. right um, for all of us we've all like picked up some gems that way and I think this must have just been one of them.
0: Yeah and I think we all have a, a soft spot somewhere in our hearts for stuff that isn't as good but just means a lot to us. I love yeah. finding music that I didn't grow up with um, especially like a track mm-hmm. like this because there is this unspoken language of video game music and it's something that Um, it's why I think I'm still more into contemporary video game scores made in Japan rather than contemporary video game scores made in the US, because it's not even about whether the music is strong, but it is that I still feel like in Japan that unspoken rule or that unspoken language of video game music is mm-hmm. still there and something like this I don't know anything about Digimon I don't know anything about this <laughs> game but you yeah. mentioned this like peaceful town music you could take all the names away the first five seconds of this I'm like this is a peaceful town theme we got it's clear, it's so clear. major well, string arpeggios I would say out of any other in three, four. company this reminds me of a lot of Nintendo music
2: actually which is interesting yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's a good track. Thanks for bringing that in. Let's go to an actual game (laughs) published by Nintendo. (laughs) Uh, We're now going to move on to a little known title called Donkey Kong Country 2, composed by a very obscure figure on this podcast, David Wise. Um, And it looks like Joe wanted to play Mining Melancholy. So why don't you kind of set this up and maybe why you brought this in today, Joe? Um, Donkey
1: Kong Country 2, probably my favorite game, probably my favorite um, game soundtrack. Good um, choice. I don't think I need to say anything that you guys haven't said before, but maybe we can um, chat about it. Yeah, we're play. now going to drift do it. into
0: a DKC 2 episode. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let's all drift away into the world of mining melancholy. guys listening to mining melancholy from dkc2 is even if we even needed to say that composed by the legendary david wise it's so interesting listening to this um we recently performed a track from the score and dave joined us on stage and so it it definitely gives me a different uh feeling and emotion i already loved this and i already loved the score but i just feel even
0: closer to it after that which is interesting well also seeing dave perform um not just with us, but in his own live band, it does put a different perspective that I have on his music and how it's composed. I've always loved yeah. this. And we were joking, um, uh, when we were playing this, but the, that sort of vamp that almost has like a queen we will rock you quality, but on the, the anvil anvils, yeah. ding, ding, mm-hmm. ding, 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 it, ding. It's so evident to me what a rock Idea that is, and how mm-hmm. so much of his vocabulary is influenced by sort of band music and playing in a lot of these bands. Yet he has this deep well of emotionality, and on the Donkey Kong Country games, he really explored so much atmosphere and ambiance. Yeah, he did, and it's just such a wonderful. Yeah, and in mixture. this track, you get the, like
1: the, just the strong juxtaposition between the two, and that mm-hmm. like there's that really, like you said, that like rock percussion rhythm. Yeah, and then you know placed against the really like heavily emotional yeah the chords um, and the melody like electronic
2: are so different yeah hmm. yeah this represents everything i love about dave's
0: music yeah. Well, I love that um, when it when it comes in, it's in that sort of Dorian, but it has that.
3: <laughs> but then when that. it goes
0: to that B section, it's in more of like a traditional Aeolian minor. That's so gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I God, I feel I like that. Dave's music when it goes to that place really reminds me of Metroid, like that sort of like yeah. wistful and earnest. Minor Mm. aeolian kind of melodic well that's why
2: it was so cool that he was able to collaborate with the kind of the metroid team really later on which is
0: right
2: which is great well now let's move on to another super nintendo score uh that joe wanted to bring in a track from this is Terra from final fantasy 6 composed by uematsu (laughs) it's a nice obscure choice here joe
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well It's as I was going through and selecting the playlist and looking at what you haven't haven't played before. It, from what I could see, you guys haven't played the original version of Final Fantasy VI Terra before, and I thought that was criminal. So interesting. Uh, Is
2: that possible? I'll have to double
1: check. I think
0: you've played you've played renditions of it. Hmm. Oh my god. I'm I apologize to everyone in the world right now. I could be yeah, I could to, be wrong. Well, yeah. hold
2: on. I'll have to push up my glasses and, and double check the archive before I before <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm standing over the reins.
0: That. Joe. You can you can take my place. It's, I thought it's been we played nice it, working um, with you guys. I thought we
2: played <laughs> it in the 4 to 6 episode, but i will have to double check. In any case, let's take a listen to Terra from 6 composed by Uematsu. You guys are listening to Terra from Final Fantasy VI, composed by Uematsu, and we have played it before, but it's been so long. It looks like we played it in uh, our first my bad. Uh, Final Fantasy episode, which was September of 2012, so in any case, it's been too long, and mm. that reminds me that we've had a request to do a specific spotlight
0: just on VI, and we are absolutely um, going to be Heck doing that. yeah. Yes. We should do spotlights on every one of the SNES yeah, or Super I think Famicom we should. games. I mean, they're some of my favorite soundtracks. They're just phenomenal we I did think. that we did that four so to six
2: episode and it just wasn't enough it was like oh we just had to cut so much and so yeah i would love to do that yeah yeah six has a massive score and it's all there's so much great work in
0: there yeah oh, i mean goodness, i still so sort good. of feel like final fantasy six is uematsu's video game masterpiece part of it is that it, it just I would it, agree it was released in that time it, it was other than seven is maybe the most famous final fantasy game and one that like maybe some of the most people played but also being on the super nintendo just puts the music in position to just be cemented as classic but i really think he outdid himself i mean it just has some of the best Mm. melodies in the series i think it's probably my
1: favorite personally i think that's part of what makes this track so iconic is that it captures that sense of immensity and adventure that wasn't really present Mm. in video game music sort of Ever before mm-hmm. this right. game, it captures that sort of that yeah that sense of immensity. I mean, when you play this game and you go through that opening sequence with the mechs wandering over like an endless tundra, and you have that like Morricone-esque score, it just it feels like the world is opening up and expanding. Yeah, and it's felt, so feel cinematic.
0: Like it's such cinematic yeah. music, yeah. Um, and especially the fact that it's so evoking this this Western idea so specifically but mm, also done amazing. with such an earnest and heartfelt melody i mean it, it, that that's something that i've just always really admired about uematsu is like he's very eclectic and in, in my opinion not all of his music works for me at least the, on the first listen um but the thing that i will say is that he really it cares about what he's doing and he takes his stuff seriously. He's not the kind of person who's like composing at an arm's length. I think he really digs into story and the characters Mm. and the function in the game and emotion. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so good. Well, now we're going to move on to something that couldn't
2: be more different emotionally. I'm really excited for this. Joe brought in a track from Mario Kart 8. Uh, He brought in Sunshine Airport, and I definitely have a memory when I first played this game. This was one of the the track uh, pieces, one of the pieces of music that most excited me and and made me really notice kind of the the new, uh, you know, excited energy that the series really needed. This particular track was Mm -hmm. composed by Itsuko Asahi. So why'd you bring in this particular one, Joe? Uh, it's my favourite track from the game. I think what nice. originally hooked me in about it is
1: uh, I'm a big fan of 70s prog rock, and like the lead mm-hmm. part, like the analog synth esque lead yeah, part, very um, really harkens back to that era of music. For cool, me. and so so um, good. that drew me in. But I just love everything about it. The instrumentation is really interesting. The harmony goes in unexpected directions with like a lot of interesting planing chords. It's yeah, it's just a lot of fun to listen to, and a lot of fun as um, a lot of fun to drive to.
2: Well, let's have some fun right now checking this out. This is Sunshine Airport from Mario Kart 8. listening to Sunshine Airport from Mario Kart 8 composed by my favorite 8 composer Atsuko Asahi everything Asahi did uh, was completely knocked out of the park uh, she actually did the, the main theme the title screen so wow uh, she's just in a phenomenal composer definitely one of the best uh, pieces in the score we were actually just talking, talking while this was pop. playing that this would be a fun one to do in the band
0: Oh heck yeah. yeah! I mean, what a melody! What beautiful chords! I asked Carl as soon as I started playing. Carl, do you know what I'm gonna say? And he knew exactly what I was gonna say. Sonic Mega Collection. I'm. <laughs> that's my shorthand for a certain style of track. Spacey, a sort of jazz, poppy, major seven-y. Yeah, lots of major sevenths, non-functional harmony, having mm-hmm. synths and fusion and stuff. Uh, god it's such a good sound. Man, it's gorgeous. Mm. Thank you for Asahi. bringing this one in. What an all-star. Uh, Joe because I feel like I've slept on this track. It's one that every time I play the game I'm like, "Oh yeah, what a catchy tune." But then I I I just don't think I've ever really listened to it much outside mm. of playing it in the actual game. And boy, yeah, this is It's not one of the one big of names favorites. that people pull out when they when they think of Mario Kart 8, but mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a banger. It absolutely is. I think is. it's honestly better than a lot of the the more conventional, you know, Mario Kart sounding... Yeah, it's funny. I, I I I always felt
2: this way about it. I mean, ever since I first played the game, this has always been one of my absolute favorites. So I'm really glad uh, to hear that I'm not alone on that one. Let's move back to the Pokemon series. Um, Joe brought in a track from Pokemon Gold in Silver. He brought in Violet City. Now, does this kind of go hand in hand with what you were talking about earlier with town themes? Is this kind of a relaxing... Would you consider this a town theme? <laughs> yep, yep. Another sort of archetypal JRPG town theme. It does that,
1: again, it does that wonderful job of evoking peace and harmony. But I brought it in um, mostly because the Pokemon series doesn't get a lot of love on mm-hmm. the podcast. And I wanted to just show it a bit of love.
2: Let's do that. This is composed by Junichi Masuda in Go Ichinos. This is Violet City <laughs> You guys are listening to Violet City from Pokemon Gold and Silver, composed by series composer Junichi Masuda and also series composer Go Ichinose, or as I like to say, Go Ichinose. <laughs> um, this is really good. I remember this track while listening through to Gold and Silver. Um, it's a very beautiful, timeless piece of music. has that quality to it. When you first boot it up, it feels like you've heard it your whole life, doesn't it?
1: Mm. Well, that's, what, that's really how I feel about the first two Pokemon games. They're just... Really prime examples of just successful Game Boy music, in that they're very mm-hmm. solidly composed. They're very harmonically tight. Yes. They, like, you know, they had to make do with the three harmonic voices, and I think that a lot of the music does just a fantastic job of creating memorable melodies within those yes. parameters. I would agree. Yeah. The first
2: two scores, I am, I am uh, quite a big fan of. So, if we ever did mm. another Pokemon episode, maybe we could do a
0: spotlight on well, like a dual. Focus in a way, on the first it's almost two. like Game Boy Ground Zero. You know I mean, it's yeah. very, I think seminal for kind of how to compose on that platform. And in my brain is just there there are some of the classics. I as soon as this track started, Marty, I don't know if you're listening, but I immediately thought, of uh our brother Marty, it uh, just has like, but like just the melody sounded like something he would write. And then, yeah. especially once it got into that sort of Broadway, yeah, I'm like, oh, at the my very gosh, least, I he would Marty's enjoy really like
3: this.
2: <laughs> well, this is fun. I'm excited to move on to this. uh Joe brought in a track from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And it's a medley. It's the Ocarina of Time medley. And what's fun about this? I'm sure you've heard this medley, Will. But I'm not sure if you realize that this medley was arranged and done by Michiko Naruke of the Wild Arms series. So how cool is that? That Ooh. composers on Ultimate got to work uh, with music that they never had the the opportunity to work with before. I think that's so cool. That is cool. Let's take a listen to the Ocarina of Time medley. <laughs> You guys are listening to the Ocarina of Time medley, which is one of my favorite pieces, probably. One of my favorite arrangements from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This was done by Michiko Naruke, Did a wonderful job of this, and it is funny. There are moments of this that do remind me of her work, maybe production-wise, in the Wild Arms series. And so she was a great person to, to do this and kind of bring in a little bit of a different energy. And Joe was mentioning while we were playing this that almost all of the melodies that we're hearing in this medley um, the actual chords and, and uh, harmonically how she's approaching it, she's changing it up quite a bit, isn't she?
0: But it also feels right at home for the Zelda series itself. There, there are harmonic changes that are within the idiom of that heroic music. So something right. will maybe go from being in Dorian to being in kind of Mixolydian or just something that was, you know, mm. that Dorian, it was on the minor one to the major four. Now is it like the flat six to the flat seven yeah. or, or something... Like yeah. it's, it's it's very very tasteful, very tasteful and within mm-hmm. yeah.
1: the idiom. Well, I think that speaks to the the was well something that you were saying. Well, is that it speaks to the versatility of Koji Kondo's melodies. Um, yeah. One of my favorite reappropriations of a melody in there is right at the end. I'm not sure we got to it, but um, they have the melody from Saria's song, which originally yeah. is a um, is a Lydian melody, mm-hmm. but has been harmonically reappropriated in an Aeolian key, and it just gives it a very different
2: feel. It's much yeah. more. Um, rock oriented well another reason why pretty. i was so on board with this is because this is a medley and that you only have like a little bit of time to focus on each melody and also this is in a smash brothers game so it's like i i'm not expecting
0: a really faithful arrangement in this context right. and and so for me this totally works well you can also tell mm. there's so much love that she has for the source material and i would almost be willing to bet that um she was a fan of that string orchestra arrangement album that came out That chain that string chamber group, yeah. Yeah, around the time of Ocarina of Time that was basically it was like a little small chamber string group with Ocarina. Um because mm. the the way that she plays the melody of the sort of windmill hut song of storms, da 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 dum she plays it with the same kind of variation that they do. Bum ba da yeah, uh, that kind of ornament on that, which I like it. It's a nice little sting and it, it works I feel well. Like I don't know if that, that was just other places too. Yeah, yeah. It might be something that's just kind of out in the ether, but that's the first place right. I ever noticed that.
2: Well, now we're going to move on to a score that at least from what I've been hearing online and from some of our listeners and everything, maybe one of the most beloved video game scores in the past few years. This is Persona 5. And Joe brought in the piece, Wake Up, Get Up, Get Out There. So tell us a little bit about this track and maybe your experience with Persona 5 music. So Persona 5 is a very quirky game.
1: It's, it like, right from the outset, it's really clear that it's trying to set itself apart from other JRPGs stylistically. It's the first one that I've played in the series, but mm-hmm. it, like, it made a real impression. This track plays when you first boot up the game. Um, yeah and this bright red cartoony stylized cinematic plays and this is the music that plays along with it and it's a very striking opening and really helps the game announce itself and and like i said set itself apart from other games
2: well this is composed by series composer shoji Meguro, as well as the singer here lynn let's take a listen to wake up get up get out there <laughs> guys are listening to wake up get up get out there um and yeah i like this track i remember listening to this when i was checking out the persona 5 score um i, I just love this kind of music this kind of jazzy disco-y funky kind of thing so this is definitely right hey my carl alley.
0: this part reminds me of that uh soul Surgeon song that you guys do where you do all the funny playing on the different parts of the drum you know bum 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 in oh, between the... the little hits, then you're oh, playing you mean all, like the... all that goofy stuff. Are you talking about Freddy versus Jason or no? No, there's the song where you have that long ending where you keep taking uh, drum fills and they get sillier and sillier, and then you're playing that... on like the side of the drum and stuff. I don't really know which track you're talking about. I know we do that in the news. I don't know if that's the one, but I think that might be the one. Yeah, but no. Maybe this, this, this song is, is reminding me of uh, Freddy vs. Jason because of the. Slash this, this track
2: is definitely right up my alley. I I'm a big fan of this style of music, um, and I think this is a, this is a probably a really effective way to start the experience of this game. Thanks for bringing this in, Joe. This is cool.
1: Yeah,
0: this is awesome. Yeah. I well, love I mean, all the, the whole sounds. game
2: is about like, the story is about rejecting the
1: mainstream and and the fakers, and having this genre yeah. of music score the whole game really made you as the characters feel like you're part of something or some movement that's very different and alternative yeah, to what everyone sure. else is in, in Tokyo where it's set and in, that in high That seems to school. be
0: almost a running theme of the Persona series is like celebrating like non-traditional personalities which I think is awesome and mm-hmm. it's definitely sort of a, a subset, a kind of like a subculture or trend in certain Japanese media which I've heard is not necessarily the mainstream in a lot of Japan but it, it takes up an inordinate amount of Japanese media, games, television, films that are dedicated to the celebration of people that are, I guess, not conventionally normal. Or and whatever. that's
2: definitely conveyed with Meguro's style of music. I mean, one of the most <laughs> unique and bold and distinctive composers I've ever heard. When you listen to his music, at least for me, it's not always something that I enjoy listening to, but I have to respect how singular of a voice he has. You can always tell it's him. Yep. Well, let's play a John Williams piece of music. I <laughs> Don't say anything <laughs> else, and we just play this track. Um, this was a surprising thing to see in the playlist. <laughs> this comes from Star Wars Episode One: Racer for the N sixty four, and this is the main menu. I'm curious to hear a little bit of your setup to th- why you brought this in today, Joe. All right, I didn't. I didn't know if this was allowed, or if this was cheating, or if this actually
1: counted as video game music. Oh, trust um, me, it's allowed. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's Duel of the Fates. It's one of the great john williams compositions it's yeah. what can you say it's perfect it's a memorable piece of music i think that it would fit perfectly for any tense epic sort of situation no matter the yeah. context um in episode one racer from memory i think it just sort of it fades in on like the last lap of tracks when things are getting tense right um and yeah like i said it just it captures
2: tension and and epicness just perfectly Let's take a listen to the main theme or main menu from Star Wars Episode I Racer, which is Duel of the Fates, composed by John Williams. You guys are listening to we'll call this the main menu from star wars episode one <laughs> racer this is composed by an up-and-comer john williams <laughs> um pretty hilarious that we're including this in the playlist
0: um recently so, okay, he received when, his 52nd oscar nomination so um, when you uh, when you played staggering. this
2: game had you already seen uh, the movie episode one joe oh yeah does anyone pick up you know
1: episode one pod racer because they're just into all the racing games.
2: <laughs> I feel like I, I know that that was the case with my wife, Josepha. She loved oh, really? to play this game. She hadn't seen episode one. Um, she was pretty young when uh, her family got this game, so well, she played this game of, for
0: years. Speaking of Josepha, every time you say the name Joe now, I think you're talking about that Joe, so it's been Trust very Trust me, it's been weird. Today. Yeah, it's been weird um, for me too. Well, <laughs> something I want to mention, <clears throat> several years ago, Marty and I on Underscore had the chance to talk with Conrad Pope who did all the orchestrations for episode one. And he talked about, he shared this really delightful story about the first time he ever saw this duel of the fates cue. Yeah. Um, And it was one of those things when he saw that repeated ostinato. (laughs) And I think he, he remarked to us and he may have said this to John, but probably not. He said, wow, it's either going to uh, be really (laughs) annoying or it's going to be the greatest thing in the world. And then he said, and of course, it was the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) That's amazing. I totally relate to that. I mean,
2: there's certain times when you see or hear something and you immediately kind of know what
0: the power that it holds and I can imagine that especially right, because it's so like simple I imagine because Conrad's also a composer seeing it his yeah, first exactly. instinct might be well that's so simple is that really going to be effective but mm-hmm. then it's like but oh man it's just genius it I, I love so good. of fates
2: all right let's move back to the Final Fantasy series back to a score that does not get enough love on this podcast but fear not Joe because coming up pretty soon this season we're finally going to be doing a spotlight on Final Fantasy VII, so hey. you don't have to worry any longer, uh, composed by Uematsu. You brought in a very interesting piece of music that uh, Will, Marty, and myself uh, have been a fan of lately because our good friends in Do a Barrel Roll, which is another VGM band in Minneapolis who played with us at Megfest, and they're playing with, uh, with us at VGM Con. They do a really cool cover of this, actually. This is oh, Underneath to hear it. the Rotting Pizza. Why'd you bring this one in? I brought it in, yeah, because like you like you said, Final
1: Fantasy VII doesn't get great representation on the podcast, and I wanted to sort of um, showcase them a You've little bit. You've come here to shame <laughs> us, playing Pokemon <laughs> no, and no, Final no. Fantasy VII, and
0: <laughs>
3: we get to, it, we get, get mean, it.
1: Represent the little guys a, a, a bit. Oh yeah, yeah the Pokemon
3: little <laughs> <laughs> The little guys.
1: Godfather. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's a really cool track. It's very groovy. I love the, the bass sound. It's very weird. electronic bass. It's
2: incredibly weird, but cool. Yeah, yeah, you definitely, we'll try to see if we can send you a link to their cover. What they do is they mix VGM with pop music. They do mashups, if you will. Um, uh, and so I think oh. you would enjoy, you would enjoy what they do with this. Um, yeah, let's take a listen to this very weird and very fun and groovy track underneath the rotting pizza from Final Fantasy VII. mm You guys were listening to Underneath the Rotting Pizza, composed by Uematsu from Final Fantasy VII. Um, Yeah, this was definitely not a track that I had ever heard before Do a Bail Roll did that cover. And actually, the first time I heard them do that, I had no idea what it was even from, um, which might have been a little (laughs) embarrassing. But um, yeah, this is one of the tracks that... It it does hold up even nowadays because the composition and the idea is so clear that even right. you know when you're hearing those old samples like you can really uh,
0: the groove and the idea you can really get on board with. What's fun mm-hmm. about the Final Fantasy music is I feel like. Uematsu really gets to kind of stretch out and compose in so many different styles. That yeah. that's the big difference. People like to compare Final Fantasy to Zelda cuz they're both these sprawling fantasies and they're both these kind of big pillars of iconic you know, classic, RPGs. yeah, iconic yeah. franchises. Um, But I think there are so many differences to the games and to the music. But one of the biggest is that every Final Fantasy game so clearly tries to reinvent itself stylistically and aesthetically in a way that Zelda does. But I feel like the music usually is not the biggest part of that reinvention. It's like the music's Mm. almost trying to bridge they get with the exception well, of maybe certain well you know entries, i'm curious but...
2: joe to hear your opinions when i maybe heard the final fantasy 7 score especially after i had really seat myself in the previous music it really felt like mm. uematsu was trying to kind of reinvent or trying to represent maybe a new era yeah if i sort of think of it as like um it's uematsu's like
1: 80s electronic period yeah <laughs> yeah for sure yeah you know, that you know going from like the 70s experimental stuff not necessarily experimental but like the iconic stuff yeah into something a little bit more i guess streamlined and electronic and at times grimy mm-hmm. um and i think that like there's a lot of
0: value in that See, um, it's interesting i think my favorite period of him is like the 2000 like i really love almost every orchestral composition i've ever heard from him any more recent thing like i feel like he's matured into this like zen like monk who composes these perfect <laughs> pure unimpeachable <laughs> melodies and it's so funny you go back to the stuff he was doing on the nes and it's like pretty experimental and harmonically adventurous and i mean that's sort of what he's known for is breaking but form. will you
2: know what would have been cool is if there was an alternate reality where the super nintendo had like a cd-rom drive and like final fantasy 6 was able to like be a fully orchestrated score yeah uh, i would have loved to hear to hear that because that to me is kind of his creative peak uh, you know in my humble opinion um, and yes yeah, so it, w- it was an interesting experience going from 6 to 7 it definitely it didn't seem like he had any intention of kind of carrying the torch of that particular
0: style yeah, I guess Final Fantasy 7 yeah. to me and maybe we've mentioned this before but it's a it's a score that I, I have a lot of respect for because I know the game is very celebrated and I have a lot of respect for Uematsu but it's not one that resonates with me super strongly I sort of feel about it like I do about Something like, you know, Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim. Like, I really respect him Mm -hmm. and revere him as a composer and lyricist, but it's just not a particular... The music of it It doesn't doesn't resonate with with me for whatever reason.
1: Well, Final Fantasy VII, more so than Final Fantasy VI, has, like, the strength of its music is in its pairing with its storytelling and its visual aesthetic.
2: For sure. Which
1: is not so much the case in, I guess, the earlier Final Fantasy games and some of the later ones. Um, and that's that's why I yeah. like this track is because it captures that evocative, grimy underworld of midgar um, and and pairs with that really well but yeah like that's so awesome. like you say you, d- you do sort of need that that context to make it really to to really capture what makes it such a great track. And such a great soundtrack. Well, this
2: is the second time on today's playlist when we're going for opposite emotions, and I couldn't think of a more contrasting game to move to Yoshi's Story for the N64, composed by Kazumi Tataka. And the track that Joe brought in from this game is On the Beach. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about your experience with Yoshi's story. Yeah, I think towards the end of this playlist,
1: I'm just getting starting to get, <laughs> starting to get a bit contrary and trying to um, include some things that I know that hmm. you guys don't like. Um, I know you guys aren't really <laughs> fans of this game and this
3: whoa, era whoa, whoa, of, whoa, whoa, whoa. of Yoshi who says, music.
2: Who says that? I love Kazumi Tataka. I've played lots of I stuff. I mean, I from... think compared compared to Yoshi's Island, mm. I think it, re- it definitely represented a bit of a problematic... Um, change maybe i don't like Pivot. yoshi's yeah.
0: i don't like yoshi's new island i don't like the like the bad yoshi music but Yoshi's story is great i mean i've played stuff on show well, and tell i from it okay, okay so all right, that's my bad
2: i know where both you guys are coming from um i understand will's wanting to b- a little bit be defensive with that but at the same time i do know where joe's coming from and we have mentioned this What Kazumi Tataka did with Yoshi's story was fine, um, but what it represented and how that was held up in the rest of the series was a bit of a problem and something that we were a little bit sad about, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think that is like symbolized by um, the opening theme is like the Yoshis singing along as a dumb out of tune chorus. Uh-huh. And yeah. and I think that's sort of yeah.
0: emblematic of the problematic change that you guys saw in the series. Sure, that it was it became more of a joke, but I guess my feeling yeah. is that the mm-hmm. underlying music and the underlying melodies are great. So it's not that different from what he did on like Mario Paint or Luigi's Mansion or anything. It's like the yeah. fundamental compositions that he writes are so iconic and then he presents them in a goofy way. Here's
2: the problem. Here's the problem. When other people other than Totaka start to do it, they take the silliness and the zaniness, but they don't have the heart and they don't have yeah. the... Yeah, of the has. Has. composition. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen to a great piece On the Beach from Yoshi's Story. You guys are listening to On the Beach from Yoshi's Story, composed by Kazumi Tataka. And the Yoshi series, especially musically, has had a really interesting path and journey. Uh, me and Joe played, uh, my Joe, Josefa, played uh, the most recent game, what is it, Yoshi's Crafted World, I think, is that yeah. what it's called? And and that was incredibly disappointing because um, Tomoyo Tomita left Good Feel, and they didn't even bother to reach out to him to do Crafted World, they got someone else and it's really bad, it's really offensive and um, kind of par for the course for a lot of modern Yoshi music, and Woolly World was so amazing, such a breath of fresh air for the series and so yeah it's it's had an interesting path hasn't it
0: mm. yeah i i really like the music to to yoshi's story i mean it has that distinctive tataka charm where it's like these melodies that feel like they they are pulled from like 50s elevator music and it's like Man, he's just got such great, almost like jazz writing chops, but he throws Mm. it away. I mean, it's the same thing he does with Animal Crossing, (laughs) Luigi's Mansion, everything. That's Kazuma Tataka in a nutshell. Uh, He's very fascinating to me. I mean, I really think you could put together... A collection of his best melodies, and they should go in the real book. I mean, they're so strong. And also, like, there's (laughs) been this like meme resurgence online of all of his Wii music, the Shop Channel music, and the Me Channel. It makes me so happy, like seeing like high school bands do covers of it (laughs) and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's because it's It's great music. Well, I'm a high school teacher. Uh, Well, I'm a
1: school teacher as well. And um, I've Mm -hmm. even here in Australia, I've noticed that sort of that meme resurgence of the music as well.
0: Yeah, it's so fascinating. But I think it's because for some people, they that's maybe what they grew up with, and it it just the melodies are so strong. He's so great at that. But he also has this. Quirky sense of humor, where he almost he'll throw things away, or it'll be used as almost the butt of a joke or something, and I, it's something very right. You
2: know, Joe, I'm really glad you brought this in, and I totally understand why you had the impression that we were uh, not a fan of the Yoshi mm-hmm. story music. The one thing I'll say is that. I think Yoshi's Story could have been a, a very fine little departure, an experiment of trying to go for this p- specific style. I just am so upset that it seems like that was carried on for what the series should be going forward. Yes. Not the original Yoshi's Island. That should have been what was carried on. Yeah, and so, that should have been the blueprint. For me... Yeah, so for me, I think it does represent something that I do have a little bit of resentment for, uh, and I'll be honest with that. Um, Let's move on to another um, N64. I love how much N64 music you have on this playlist. Would you say, Joe, that the N64 was probably your most, like, beloved nostalgia console? Yes, yeah, definitely. Definitely got the most, um, uh, you know, the greatest number of hours of play. (laughs) Nice. Well, you brought in something from Banjo-Kazooie, By Grant Kirkhope, you brought in probably the best piece of music in that score, Treasure Trove Cove. You want to set this up a little bit while you brought this in?
1: Um, Earlier, I said that Donkey Kong Country 2 was probably my favorite soundtrack, but I think I lied. Banjo-Kazooie has probably got to be my favorite (laughs) soundtrack. (laughs) uh, This this song has been my ringtone forever. I'm obsessed with it. I just, I love it. The harmony is so dysfunctional. There are so many like tritone chord movements that theoretically should sound terrible, the instrumentation is strange, but it just—it works so well. <laughs> and when the drums kick in at about like at 25 seconds, it just—oh, it's the it best. Takes I love it so
2: much. Let's take a listen to Treasure Trove Cove. listening to Treasure Trove Cove from Banjo Kazooie by the one and only Grant Kirkhope. One thing I love about banjo music is that it really embodies the spirit of of Grant Kirkhope, and that might be surprising if you just meet him and talk to him for a few minutes, because um, he has a very interesting dichotomy, like in his personality, and I think that does come across actually in Banjo Kazooie, because yes, it's very zany and goofy and um, upbeat but there is this darkness in this, maybe the seriousness, uh, maybe more of like a sarcastic dryness that you get with uh, maybe his sense of humor as a person. And I think that combination is something that only he would have learned. His
0: harmonic sensibilities um, are definitely shared by composers like Danny Elfman and a lot of film music. Uh, He's talked at lengths about sort of his use of the sort of tritone shift Harmonically in um, these yeah. games to the point of almost like he simplifies the score to its just kind of tritone oompa music, um, mm. which is, is sort of accurate. But I also think that there's lots of sort of chord moves he loves. He loves going to the flat six, and then he loves that sort of going um, and harmonically enforced. Like you could just Another that thing forever. that he loves in a lot of his music. Not
2: just banjo music, not just silly music, is any time um, when you can have a melody move between the minor third and the major third of a given uh, tone center, he absolutely loves that kind of going back and forth, that flirting. Sure. I didn't notice that. God, yeah. Grant's music. One thing that has been interesting is I remember him talking. He did a first pass on, I think it was a ukulele piece, um... And he kind of wasn't thinking too much about it. And he just, you know, made this track and he listened to it and he he, he wanted to completely redo it because he thought it was almost just like a a soulless imitation of banjo music. Mm. Um, and so I I feel like if Grant doesn't even think about anything and just write something, it's probably going to have this kind of banjo energy to it because he had been doing that for so many years. Right. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was another fun thing I remember with, I think it was our first interview was he was talking about how stressed out he was in the, around the year 2000 when he had to work on, what was it three different games, right? He was working on Perfect Dark before he, before he kind of left that. He was working on DK64 and then he was working on Banjo 2. That would be stressful. Um, all at the same time, <laughs> which must have been a really hard year. Yeah, that's a lot of different hats to wear. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to a series and, and a score that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, I don't think we've ever played anything from this series. Is that right? Yeah. Not, not from my memory. This is Tekken Tag Tournament composed by a very surprising figure. I never would have expected this. Kaichi Okabe, who I'm such a big fan of, uh, really primarily from his work in the Near series. And so pretty crazy. Oh, I had no composer. idea. Well, I have a um, feeling we'll probably be yeah. getting more
0: stuff from this series uh, when we do that fighting games episode with Carlos.
2: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, amazing composer started off uh, some d- interesting other directions than I would have ever expected. So yeah, this is um, a track from Tekken Tag Tournament. How would you say uh, this character, Joe?
1: Uh, I would pronounce it Zhao Yu, but I might be entirely wrong. I think
2: you're right. We can go ahead and do that. <laughs> Jayu, yeah, that works. So let's take a listen to this from Tekken Tag Tournament, composed by Kaichi Okabe. You guys are listening to Jiao from Tekken Tag Tournament composed by Kaichi Keichi Okabe and did a great job nailing the sound, kind of this acid jazz throwback sound. Joe completely nailed it when he said it reminds him of Jamiroquai, and that's one of the best things I'll say uh, to, to kind of describe this style. Now at least to me i was first looking joe at i think i found the tech and tag tournament arcade soundtrack and this is a completely different piece of music on that so really? this must be the console version yeah i had it on ps2 so i want to say that the arcade version of this theme is a completely different piece that's interesting i had no idea but yeah, Okabe, man, he's able to nail a lot of different
3: yeah, <laughs> types this of music, is dance, Will, party what do you think about sure?
0: this? Sure, I love the arrangement. Yeah. Yeah, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, I love the string writing. I love the whole production. Yeah. I, like, I like the vocal. I order. like that it starts with that sort of low pass filter, so you just get the bass almost like you're walking yeah. into a nightclub or something. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's really cool.
1: I'm just a huge sucker for that, like that 2000s era disco string sound. It was yeah. in um in the Persona track as well.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, it kills very me. similar. This one is more legit though. Like the production on this sounds kind of full. He force. nailed it. I imagine yeah. it probably has a bigger budget than Persona, but man, that one kicks butt. No,
2: Joe, is this at all representative of the tone of this whole score, or not? Is this kind of a one-off?
1: Uh, it's a one-off. Like, each character has their own stage. and you know, Like Street Fighter, it reflects the character.
2: Got it. Yeah. Well, I-, I am excited for the Fighting Games episode because I know there are a lot of fighting series that we haven't really touched at all, and some of it I just haven't even looked into. I want to say that at one point I was trying to listen to Tekken music, but... I don't know. I just I just kind of definitely one of those other blind spots where I just never really got into it. Um, so, guys, we're approaching now the very final play out track uh, of today's episode. The last thing that Joe brought in and we'll give him time to set this up. Um, this is a track composed by Tomoya Otani, who I'm a big fan of. We just focused on his music last week. Um, but this is from a game that <laughs> we typically would never really focus on. Sonic Adventure 2 Battle Aquatic Mind, and Something Tells Me This Might Feature Rapping. Is that okay, now, correct, Joe? I, now, I know you guys hate this soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I, I will, I, I think we can both admit that, yes, we, we're not a fan, especially of the, the rap tracks from the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: I I wanted to have it played because I absolutely love it. Um, I, for, full disclosure, I didn't have very much exposure to the Genesis Sonic games, well, mm-hmm. I didn't have any exposure to them because we didn't have Genesis oh. in Australia. It was the Mega Drive. Um, uh-huh. But to that era of Sonic games. So t- f- to me, this was Sonic and this was Knuckles. That sort of like early 2000s um, attitude. And I recognize yeah. how objectively lame it is, the idea of having like a hip hop <laughs> track with this like aloof rapping echidna talking about how edgy he is. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're 11 it's you, you don't care it about really that. Just, it really works for you yeah it it spoke to something in me yeah and i don't know what that says about me as a person
2: well will's going to be happy
0: because sometimes will doesn't even listen to the play i'm out. going <laughs> to listen to it but <laughs> he's going to listen to it before today before we wrap up i just want to thank you again for coming on joe this was so much fun and i feel like it this was went a blast. by way too fast yeah no, it's absolutely my pleasure well, also, one, one thing that I, I want to say, since you are in Australia, we should encourage our listeners to, if they're interested in donating to help support with the uh, yes. wildfire relief, yes. um, do you Absolutely. know of a specific place they should donate? Otherwise, I've heard the Australian Red Cross. Yep, yep, a good option.
1: Um, I wouldn't know of any other specific organizations
0: if anybody is interested in helping out you can go to redcross.org.au to donate and uh, a quick google search also will yield um, results of other good helpful places to put your money but i I hope you stay yeah i hope you stay safe ma'am yeah, thank you. And keep away from those spiders. Jesus, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, watch
2: <laughs> out for the spiders. Uh, we hope you can get some sleep. Thanks for, for making this work with the time difference. We're going to play you guys out with Aquatic Mine from Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, com- composed by Tomoyo Otani and wrapped by not Tomoyo Otani. Uh, this has been so much fun. We want to thank Joe uh, so much for uh, your continued support, for being such a good friend of the show. We want to thank all of our fans and listeners and patrons and everyone for supporting us and listening to us. We really appreciate all you guys. Joe, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, no, not especially. Okay. Love it. Let's do it. I think that's about it. We'll play you guys out with Aquatic Mine. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Carl Brugeman. And I'm Will Brugeman. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.